This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. Throughout history, Torah-observant believers were labeled as heretics and hunted down by religious mobs. They were forced to practice their faith in underground churches and even had to find alternative ways to make a living, including privateering as pirates. Tonight, Dr. Miles Jones joins us for the first episode of Pirates and Heretics, because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalom, Tara fans. Why am I talking like that? You'll find out in a minute. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. Get ready for a swashbuckling ride through Messianic church history. It's the first episode of Pirates and Heretics with Dr. Miles Jones. Yes, it's true. Torah-observant believers were good guy pirates hundreds of years ago. They were also the founders of bluegrass music in Europe. All of that is coming up in this fascinating series about church history you've never heard before. I certainly never heard this before, before talking to Dr. Jones. But first, it's time to break out the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. We have entered into the fourth Shabbat of the 12th month, and as soon we'll be watching for the Aviv Barley. So let's talk about that with my co-host, the Partner Services Manager, Pastor David Robinson. Shalom. Shalom, how are you? Good, doing good. So yeah, Got so a lot going on, don't we? Yeah, we do. <laughs> so this is a crazy series. We'll talk about that in a second. But so, for, but first of all, first things first. So Passover coming up very soon. Mm -hmm. This is the last weekend in uh, Adar. So if the if the barley's not ready soon, and the uh, the the new moon is not seen on March third. We have a situation. This aid is our bet. Aid our bet. So, yeah, because we, we can't hold Passover right. if the uh, the barley's not of Eve. Because in in the back in the day, the barley had to be Aviv. Exactly. So that by two weeks from that point, it would be ripe. Because Aviv doesn't mean ripe. It's kind of like, uh, yes, it's an estimation that it will be ripe. Mm -hmm. Enough to have. To make to make a loaf for you know for for some sacrifices and things like this and ceremonies and we won't get into all that but that's why it was needed right so we follow that same model today exactly. even though there's no temple no everything no anything else we're, we are that's how we're going to determine when Passover is held so we add this extra month in if we don't see the barley as being a vive. now if we do that we also are going to move our Passover man. Right. So right now, Passover 2022 is scheduled for March 18 and 19. Uh, Yehuda Glick's going to be there. Chef Rich Hall. Uh, I'm going to help uh, make and, and eat stuff that <laughs> Chef Rich Hall makes. Uh, Nehemia and Linnell Gordon are going to show you uh, how um, a traditional uh, Jewish Passover was done way back at Yeshua's time. Biblical time. So that'll yeah. be interesting. Uh, Keith Johnson's gonna be here. Dr. Tom Lokensgaard is gonna be here. Uh, we're gonna talk about the blood. We're gonna talk about how, you know, we say the life is in the blood when we talk about sacrificed animals. Your life is in your blood as well. So what can your blood tell you about your health? We're gonna share that kind of interesting stuff. So any, all kinds of interesting stuff. So we will hold that on March 18th and 19th, but if there's an extra month, we're gonna move it to April 15th and exactly. 16th. Mm -hmm. And we will let you know, don't worry, it's all online, so you're not gonna miss anything or or anything like that. It's all free to sign up. There's the link on the bottom of your screen. It's just passovercharlotte.com. And uh, you just sign up for free and we'll send you an email, all kinds of interesting stuff in there as well. Yeah, and that, we definitely need your email address because of the things that we'll be seeing you discounts and yes. uh, also the link. We're not taking your email address and doing anything with it or selling it or anything like that. We need it for yeah, the that, that's We say on our, uh, our policies that that's not kosher. Uh, we don't do that. We that's don't not do cool. that. So we're not, we don't share your information exactly. with anybody. It's just for us. Okay. So now, 
Uh, something else that's coming up, ending Monday, as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. is the modern day Maccabee. Only 28 days in February, so this is the last opportunity to get this. Sure. So this is a story of Yehuda Glick. We've told you all about him in weeks past. Essentially, he is a Israeli political figure who also stands up for the Temple Mount as a place for all people to come and worship. That is his heart's desire. And so we have asked him about that in an interview that he said, I'd like you to make this love gift for your people. I want everybody to know this. So this is our gift to you for a donation of $50. Uh Ends Monday, and we'll give you the Modern Day Maccabee with Yehuda Glick. Now, for a donation of $100 or more, you'll get the teaching, and what do we have here? We have this uh, olive wood and uh, mezuzah with stainless steel um, on the front, mm -hmm. and also we have a cap on it, and inside you have your Torah scroll. Very cool. And uh, this is a beautiful piece. And it is. It, and it's Very a nice. great, again, a great ministry piece to have on your doorway when the pizza guy comes up and goes, what's that? And you get to explain. So I've actually had a lot of wonderful conversations because of my mezuzah. Hmm. So uh, very nice for $100, a gift of $100, you get the teaching and that. And for a gift of 300, you get the Yad, which Yad in Hebrew means hand. And, mm -hmm. and this is a Torah pointer. Uh, and so I do wanna tell you this too, if you don't have a Torah yet, we're gonna be coming out with one this year. Really? Yes, so uh, keep your eyes open and you would definitely need this. But okay. you can also use this to read your Bible and keep your finger oils off your Bible. Off the Bible, yeah, very good. Which initially is to keep your hands off the Torah skin. Yes. You know, and, uh, and it has its chain so you can hang it on your Torah scroll. Absolutely, yeah. And now, for 300. if you like stuff like this and you're like, yeah, I like the stuff that Rude Awakening gets me, I wanna get more stuff like this on maybe Amazon or something. Mm -hmm. So you go to Amazon. If you go to Amazon, go to a rudeawakening.tv slash Amazon. Type that into your browser, make that your Amazon link and save it as a bookmark, okay? Why do you wanna do that? Because that's our affiliate link. What happens there is anytime you buy something through Amazon uh, using that link, there'll be a kickback to the ministry right. from Amazon. It won't cost you anything. Amazon just, it's one of these nice programs they have that they, they kick back some, uh, some funds to ministries like ours if you use this special link. So use that special link every time you go to Amazon and you'll be donating to A Rude Awakening and there's nothing out of your wallet to do it. How about that? Yes. So thank you for doing that in advance. And by the way, uh, every Tuesday, so first of all, our, our love gift ends Monday. Monday, yeah. But every Tuesday, we have something called the Messianic Net. Uh, this is something that our friend uh, Ted Clayton uh, puts on. Uh, he and a friend from uh, Idaho sort of manage this whole thing, and it's called the Messianic Net. It's a ham radio show. So we invite everybody with a ham radio to go to 7.237 megahertz, and that's where you'll find them every Tuesday night. Now, sometimes the weather conditions are yeah. not exactly ideal, or you know the atmospheric conditions. So give it a shot. That, we gotta get used to doing this, okay? Because sometimes, well, when all else well, fails. We talk about the prepping, you know. Yeah, we talk about prepping like we did, you know, about, about a month ago. That's, you know, that's a, a very real deal is that uh, you, sometimes ham radio is the only thing you've got left. So let's all start practicing this. Let's start uh, tuning in Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, to find out uh, how this works and get used to it. And so you can also listen on a shortwave radio on that same frequency. And there's something called a, what did Ted say? An uh, SDR, SDR. Yeah. an SDR program you can get for your computer where you can also listen on a computer if you're not familiar with ham radios or you don't have a, uh, a shortwave radio. So you can do either one of those too. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. Okay. David, thank you for joining us today. Great to be here. Appreciate your time. Yes. All right. So throughout history, Torah observant believers were forced to practice their faith in underground churches and even had to find alternative ways to make a living. And yes, that included being pirates. <laughs> pirates and heretics. With Dr. Miles Jones is coming up. The Kiddish with Michael is up next, so we'll see you in two minutes. Against all odds, the Maccabees rose up and claimed victory to restore Yehovah's temple in the second century BC. Over 2000 years later, a modern day Maccabee is once again clearing the way for the third and final temple of Yehovah. The reason we need it is you don't want a terror base in the center of your capital, in the holiest place in the world. We want this place to be a world center of peace. Amen. In this month's Love Gift teaching, the modern-day Maccabee, temple activist and Israeli political figure Yehuda Glick shares his inspiring story to reclaim the Temple Mount in the name of Yehovah as a place for all peoples to worship the one true God. This inspiring teaching is not for sale and it's not available on YouTube. 
but Michael Rood will send you this teaching as a gift for your donation. Donate a $50 love gift and we'll send you The Modern Day Maccabee on DVD or Blu-ray. Or for a donation of $100, we'll send you The Modern Day Maccabee plus an olive wood mezuzah with stainless steel overlay etched with a blessing for your home. Or with a donation of $300, we'll send you The Modern Day Maccabee, The Olive Wood Mezuzah with Stainless Steel Overlay, and a beautiful Torah pointer featuring rich red and black colors and gold tone accents. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. The Modern Day Maccabee gift collections are available only in February and supplies are limited. Call now to receive your gifts, 888-766-3610. That's 888-766-3610. Or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. Join us online for Passover 2022, a time of remembering, learning, preparing for the greater exodus and celebrating the power of family. Passover 2022 is free, but you must sign up to watch it live. Sign up now at PassoverCharlotte.com. First, on Friday night, it's Passover meal prep with Scott Laird and award-winning chef Rich Hall. Sign up now to get the recipes. Then get a sneak peek at all of this year's special guests on Shabbat Night Live. On Saturday, it's a full day of teachings from Scott Laird and Dr. Tom Lokensgard, Nehemia and Linnell Gordon, Yehuda and Hadas Glick, and Keith Johnson. Plus, a panel discussion with all of our guests. And of course, a front row seat to Michael Rood's best Passover Seder ever. You'll even get 20% off almost anything in our online store and free coloring pages for the kids. Passover 2022, then and now. Sign up to watch it live at PassoverCharlotte.com. The traditions that we have in modern day Judaism remind us of what we did in the temple and some of these traditions go back long before the temple in Jerusalem. It reminds us of when Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, brought forth bread and wine to Abraham when he came back from the slaughter of kings and Melchizedek, the Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, blessed the Most High with the blessing that Abraham then taught to his son Isaac and then was passed down through the generations. Yeshua said, Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. He gave a tenth of everything because he saw the broken body and the shed blood. Melchizedek, as Abraham and all of his offspring, then continue to say this prayer, this prayer of sanctification. Baruch atah Yehovah, Eloheinu melech ha'olam, hamotzi lechem miharetz. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, king of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And Yeshua said, this bread represents my body, which will be broken for you. And this is what Yeshua said the last night that he was with his disciples. This represents his broken body that was broken for us. And then, the blessing of the wine. Baruch atah Yehovah Eloheinu melech ha'olam v'rei Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said, this is a renewed covenant which will be paid for in my blood. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Michael Rood has something he calls the New Apostles' Creed. It's a poster, maybe you've seen it. It says, we believe right in the center. It's basically all the tenets of the faith of someone who is Torah observant, a Torah observant believer in Yeshua. Now you might think, oh yeah, that's that movement that started in the 70s or something, something like that. And I think maybe the apostles did that as well. Well, true enough, yes, but there's a big part in the middle you're missing. And that church, if you will, has been there the whole time. It never disappeared. There was always a remnant, and someone who knows that better than anyone is Dr. Miles Jones. Dr. Miles, thank you for joining us today on Shabbat Night Live. Well, it's great to be here, because uh, the, the information we've uncovered is so dramatic. I, I just can't wait to get it out there, because nobody knows these things. Well, and the, nobody knows these things better than you. Last time we, we were here, you had a book called The Sons of Zion versus The Sons of Greece, mm -hmm. and now, 
you said, uh, we, we talked by email and you said, uh, I have some more information if you'd right. like, can I come back? And I said, we said, absolutely, because there's a whole other book you've discovered of information on this and now this book is available. Right, I started by discovery of the Hebrew Gospels, and then I'm writing the historical context of it, the, the history of how they survived for 2,000 years, right? Mm -hmm. And you know how they survived? Because the Messianic Church survived. The original Church of the Messiah survived throughout all those centuries of persecution, intense persecution. Okay, so then I started following this trail. I didn't even think I could follow that that how do you follow a church that has been forced underground? Mm -hmm. But I was able to do it, and I, in fact, I found so much, so much documentation that I could not fit it in, all into one book. Wow. So the first part, the first four centuries are in the, you know, and really it tells some of the history because it's, it's the sons of Zion versus the sons of Greece. That's the major philosophical, religious, you know, tete-a-tete -tete standoff that you have, you know. That started long before. That started all the way back in Genesis. Huh. Yeah, so I told the story of the Israelites within that framework and then the arrival of the Messiah, his church, and by the time we got to Constantine, it is declared heretic, right? Mm. The original church of Yeshua is declared heretic. So now we get to tell the rest of the story, which is from the time of Constantine, fourth century, all the way up to the present. And the more I dug, I just, you know, I thought, well, what am I going to do for the show? Well, I thought, well, I'll just, we'll talk about the five major accomplishments of the, of the Messianic church through the centuries. Okay. So I started writing them down. I said, well, well, there's more than five. We better go with eight. And then I got to eight and I said, no, nah, nah, there's, there's more than eight. We better go with 12. And then it became 15. And I said, oh my gosh. I, and I said, no, this, this has to go in there too. So we finally ended up with 16 major historical accomplishments of the Messianic church that wasn't even supposed to exist. And all this has been repressed and erased from history and obscured and denied and dismissed but it happened. Wow. And today we get to show it. So. I'm very happy about it. Now, like we said, you have a new book about this. And so, uh, first of all, thank you for coming on Shabbat Night Live. You've provided a, a great service to us here so that Michael can continue healing. So we're very appreciative for you being here. And we want to uh, return the favor by telling folks about your new book. And you want to give them something in return as well. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about these 16 major accomplishments. Folks, you don't have to take notes. We'll give you a free PDF that summarizes every one of these, the, the stuff that we're gonna show you throughout these next, I think, four, four sessions. It's gonna, gonna, four take, us, it's gonna here, take us four episodes just to cover At least, these 16 major accomplishments. There's probably gonna be some bonuses here too on the MichaelRoot.tv yeah. app, so. Yes. Yeah. Okay, but anyway. So we listen. will send you a free PDF that you know, gives you a basic outline of all of these. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're, and that's totally free. So just go to writingofgod.com and you can click on free download and you can get this. Okay. Now the book, you, uh, it's freshly, I, I believe right. it's the printed book, now. The book is in publication. Okay. And so it's available now. So go get it. Now, where can we, people get that? Well, you can go to writingofgod.com and you can- Oh, same place, writingofgod.com. Yeah, and we do, want, we do want to ask you. I mean, it's going to be available on Amazon and everything. But the thing, if you go to our website, you're not going to pay any more for it than you would on Amazon for a new book, right? Uh, but we will usually get it to you faster mm -hmm. and we'll put you on our research updates because we're constantly finding new things and you get that in a regular newsletter so you know. Oh, beautiful. You'll know what's happening with the Hebrew Gospels and most importantly, the Hebrew Gospels Publication Project, which is already put out its first publication, which is the Epistle of James. Oh. And we'll, we will talk about that somewhere in an upcoming I episode. I believe, I think we may make that a, a love gift. I think that would be make a beautiful great, love gift. Because it's teaching. really important, and it's been, it's been out since July of this year, but we're gonna do a, uh, a new edition soon enough and add in the, the Gospel of James, which nobody knows about. It's mm -hmm. called the Proto-Evangelion of James. It talks about some of the early formative years of Yeshua, and it has crucial information in there. Hmm. that solves some very, very important scriptural issues. So the writings of James are, are very important. I mean, it says 30 years he led the church after Yeshua anointed him, mm -hmm. right? 
Don't, have you, you probably read your Bible pretty well. You didn't see that in there, did you? I did not. It's not in the Greek Gospels. It's mm. in the Hebrew Gospels. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, so we, we better get moving here. Otherwise, we're going to run, you know, well, let's out of time. Move. <laughs> let's go. Let's go to the first All one. Right. The life and death of Yeshua HaMashiach changed the world. Now, this is really crucial because we have to understand this is our Savior, our Savior as Messianics, that this is our Messiah. This is the founder of the Messianic movement, the Messianic church we're talking about. And uh, this church is really important. This is the church that changed the world, the one we follow. And if you don't do this, you don't understand what happens later. If you don't integrate that. You know, one, one of the things is that there was a Yeshua dynasty, you know, that, you know, remember a Greek church started in the fourth century. And right. I call these the new churches because they became eventually with the Reformation. They started with all Constantine. Kinds of the, and All the denominations that, that we know now. But these are all new churches. The original church is the church of the Messiah, the Messianic church, which became the Messianic Apostolic Church, but they're all Hebrews. They're all Hebrew Christians, and they spread the gospel to the entire world, right? But the, the Yeshua dynasty is something most people do not know about, and there are basically three branches. Joseph and Miriam, they had Yeshua, their son, right? But also mm -hmm. James and Jude were his brothers, and they became leaders of the church. James took it over basically after mm -hmm. Yeshua's crucifixion, and then Simeon took it over, who is of the second line. This is Cleophas, who also married a woman named Miriam. Oh. That's Joseph's brother, right? So, okay. So one of their children was Simeon, who took over the church, and he engineered, after James, and he engineered the flight to Pella when they became encircled by, by the Roman legions, and it talks about it in mm -hmm. Luke and in Acts, uh, and uh, they, had to, they had to flee. The, the spirit, the angel came to them and told them to flee, right? They, Simeon is the one who led them to Pela, and that led to repercussions throughout the world as well. So he was the brother, and the, then Jude and his grandsons, and their, 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 one of their descendants, Judah Kuriakos, was the last Hebrew Christian bishop of Jerusalem. So whole line, right? And then you have Simeon and also Cleophas and Miriam had other sons, two of which became apostles, James the Lesser and Jude Thaddeus became apostles. And they had a daughter named Salome who married a man named Zebedee. Ah. The sons of Zebedee, yes. right? James the Greater and John the Apostle. So four, four of the apostles were actually from Yeshua's family. You'll never hear wow. that. It's you'll a family business. That. You'll never hear that from the <laughs> pulpit because the Greek church does not want a Yeshua dynasty. They don't want a Hebrew dynasty, a Messianic dynasty. They want a Greek dynasty. So all of this is sort of just ignored. The, the history of the early church itself is kind of ignored because it's all messianic. So the Greek dynasty we get from the mistaken idea that Paul took over, he, uh, he went to Greece and the end. There we go, there's the Greek church. Pretty much. Yeah. You know, they just jumped to the Greek church. In fact, in Acts they do. By, by chapter eight, it's not about any of the apostles anymore. In fact, most of the apostles are only named and never dealt with. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter, John, and, and James, the, the brother of Jesus who took over the church, become the three. And then Paul. So at chapter eight, it's all about Paul past that. Mm -hmm. so it's, and from then on, the New Testament is all pretty much about Paul. Wow. Except for the Hebrew books, which are all the, the back of the bus. I mean, the back of the book, right? <laughs> yeah. From Hebrews, 1st, 2nd, 3rd Peter, James, you know, 1st, 2nd Peter, and John, 1, 2, 3, and then James, Jude, and Revelation. These all came, and Hebrews, they all, these all came from Hebrew originals, as far as we can tell, right? It's from the evidence that we have. So these are at the back. So Matthew was definitely originally written in Hebrew and Luke as well, but later it was translated into Greek and then they, they kind of doubled it in size, added a lot of materials. It's kind of a hybrid, but it was originally written in, in Hebrew. So that opens up a question about Acts because it was a two-part letter. So they'd write the first part in, in Hebrew and the second part in Greek. Doesn't, doesn't make any sense, does it? No. All right. But... We have never, we don't know. We don't have any documentation until now because now we have manuscripts of Acts from the Hebrew, hmm. from authentic gosh, the documents. So we should be able to tell by translating and examining these gospels. 
So there's more, there's more coming. Um, but this, uh, this, this church, these new churches in the, in the fourth century, all right, skipping centuries here, <laughs> they formed a new church, a Greco-Roman church, right? Constantine did this. And this church declared the original church of the Messiah to be heretic. Constantine was very, very anti-Semitic. So they were rejecting the Judaic church. They wanted a Greek hierarchy of leadership. They wanted all the power in the hands of this new church. So they declared the Hebraic church and the Messianic church with them to be, to be heretic. Mm. Okay? And they, they literally proceeded to hunt them down and kill them and burn their scriptures, hunt them to extinction. Hmm. And supposedly the Messianic church disappeared by the fifth century, the next century after it had been declared heretic. But they just went But they did not go, you know, yeah. they went underground and I was able to trace them, which is frankly a bit of a miracle. Well, that's really amazing. I mean, how do you trace something that has been tossed aside and buried in? But this, the, the important thing about this is that <clears throat> this is what we call the original apostasy. Hmm. Now, folks, if you can see it in any other way, uh, I, you know, please inform me. But when you, <laughs> when you reject the original church of the Messiah, whether you call him Yeshua HaMashiach or Jesus Christ, you've rejected the Christ because this church had not become corrupt in any way. They're very orthodox in their beliefs. They're very evangelical. You know, it's a dynamic church, a spirit-filled church. <clears throat> and they declared this church to be heretic. Mm. That's apostasy. You're rejecting the original church. And this is our church, the Messianic and Apostolic Church yeah. is our church, right? And that's what has been rejected. And it's called, it's caused Jews and Messianics to be persecuted throughout history. Mm. You know, both, you know, because there's no exception in the pogroms and in the Inquisition and in the Holocaust. There's no exception for Messianics. See, that's, I think people would find that surprising that it wasn't just persecution against the Jews. If you believed in the Torah as a believer, you were thrown in that same camp. You were called a Judaizer by the church. Yeah. And the penalty for Judaizing was death. Mm. And shades of that still exist today. Yeah. They look down on Jews. They call it legalism, despite the fact that that was the Pharisees that were getting legalistic, right? But anything, you know, the the uh, Old Testament was nailed to the cross with with Jesus, right. right? Okay, well, where does it say that? You know, in the in specifically, we're talking Jeremiah thirty five thirty one, I think, uh, it, where it talks about the renewed covenant, not the New Testament, the renewed covenant. Renewed. It specifically mentions. Mm -hmm the Torah, and the chosen people. So yep. neither one is rejected in the new covenant, which is, so we, you, you create a schizophrenic church, really, is the problem. We'll talk about that more later, but, okay. you know, a church that's dissociated from itself, like two people that, that like, have a split personality, you know, and one is hateful and one is loving. Mm -hmm. And they just, you can't balance these two things. You, you've created a, a Hebrew Messiah, who upholds Torah as opposed to a Greek Jesus who does away with it. Yes. All right, it, those are irreconcilable differences. So they are the same historical person, but you have created an archetype, it's called. In other words, a, a perception of the Messiah and who he was that we, uh, uh, that, and, and what you think his goals are and his messages that's different. The Hebrew rabbi and the, and the Greek philosopher, Jesus, you know. So it's, it's, this, this, is a, this is the whole schism we're talking about. Mm. The schizophrenia we're talking about that's existed in the church for millennium now. So that's why it's called the sons of Zion against the, versus the sons, sons of, of Greece. Because mm -hmm. this, since the time of Genesis, this has been apparent in, wow. in, the, in the holy book that we, we claim is inerrant. And that we hold to, and yet many people are not following the very simple and very, very clear precepts in that book. I want to move on to something you, you brought out before we, the cameras came on, and that was these people are not only heretics, they were pirates. Yeah. And this is this was mind blowing to me. We're going to do a whole special thing on this. Maybe we'll put it on the MichaelRude.tv app or something. Yeah, We've got to great. do something extra because there's so much to this. 
But I, I know, but we, we have a book in which, and, and this blew my mind too, in which the heretics and the pirates are the good guys. Yeah, <laughs> like the real pirates. We're talking about no, pirates yeah, of the Caribbean pirates. type of pirates. These are, the, they were the good guys. Now, we say, well, how come on? How can they be the good guys if they were raping and pillaging and da-da-da-da-da-da? And you brought up a good point that maybe we don't condone what they did, but it was war and they were doing to their enemy the same thing as their, their enemy was doing to them, but they were on the side of the Messianic church, is this right? Yeah, well not all of them were like that. Many of the conversos, the Messianic captains, were very moral. You know, they released their enemies, they didn't torture. You know, they pillaged, they pillaged the Spanish Empire, which had pillaged them. And as far as I'm concerned, they had that coming. You know, and yes, they fought and they killed people, but many of them were very moral. Hmm. Uh, but uh, um, many weren't. They were pirates. They weren't all messianics, by right. the way. And they were, so you can't blame all of this on messianics. But yes, pirates did slaughter and rape and torture people. Absolutely, they did that. And I, I don't condone any of that. But you know, behind them, the, the, the messianics had created a surrogate naval force a surrogate naval force that could fight the Spanish, which mm. it did. And in war, there's all kinds of atrocities and abominations that happen, which none of us condone. And even in our, but in our country, you mentioned too that the, if it were not for these folks, backed by the Messianic Church, we would have lost America. Yes, we would have. America was founded on this, but. That's coming up. Okay, we're not right. even there yet. We're we're like, okay, forgive me. Two. I just thought I knew that was coming. It was an exciting thing. It was fun you're to just, talk you're, about. Folks, you're gonna have to. You're <laughs> gonna have to tune in to every one of these episodes. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're, you're gonna have to do that because you don't want to miss out on any of this. Number two, the Messianic Apostolic Church spread the gospel to the entire known world long before the church in Rome even got on its feet. Huh? Decades before. Okay, so the first, the first decades were a, a totally a messianic affair. In fact, the first centuries were, because the, the, the Greek church grew slower than you might think. There were, yes, tens of thousands. Paul brought tens of thousands of Gentiles. But Jerusalem had other tens of thousands that had been converted, right? Mm -hmm. So the messianic church was very, very strong. Now, when, when uh, Constantine in the fourth century convened the Council of Nicaea, the Jewish Christian bishops, of which there were many, were not invited. The fix was already in. Mm. They already knew that they were gonna, Constantine was extremely anti-Semitic. You don't have to, you can, and this is all covered in the book. You can read it in his own words. You know, we don't want to have anything to do with the Jews. That's right. what our reason tells us. Or the messianic believers. And that's believers. why they changed. Yeah. That's why they changed the the uh, the feast days mm -hmm. to to pagan feast days, really, that have been Christianized since then. Like and that's where we got Sunday from. You know, all, yes, you know, all and he changed the Sabbath day, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. You know, so the you know they took it, which is incredible hubris if you think about it. You know, and, and it's still in the Reformation, still today. You know, John Knox said, uh, well, you know, uh, man was made for the Sabbath. Sabbaths are not made for man. So we can change it to Monday if we want to. And this is John Knox, <laughs> the, the founder of the Presbyterian Church. This is one of the reformers. And they, they did not go back, mm. you know, to the original precepts of the Bible. They kept up much of this warmed over Catholicism. So that's the new churches were stuck with a lot of this baggage. So we're just getting started, but we got to take a break. Okay. We're going to come back in a second. So thank you for watching this. We're just getting warmed up. This is going to be a lot of fun, as you can tell. So uh, we brought Miles here. Thanks to you. Thank you for making Shabbat Night Live possible. Without your support, none of this happens. In fact, Miles had to cancel a flight, grab another one. We had to change this flight. Well, all of these things cost money, including the hotel he has to stay at, all this kind of thing. By the way, they lost his baggage too. It's still in the Texas. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we had borrowed clothing here, it's all good. But all of that happens only with your support because where do the funds come from to bring miles in? It comes from you, from your support. That's how we make this possible. That's why we make this possible to um, forward it to other folks as well so they can see it across the world. So if you think this is really cool information that you wanna give to other folks around the world, support Shabbat Night Live. That's the only way it happens. We're gonna give you a couple of minutes to consider that. Thank you in advance.
Thank you for supporting Shabbat Night Live, and uh, thank you for supporting Miles for coming in. And Miles, uh, where you were just getting started, we have uh, 16 things we want to talk about that the Messianic Church uh, accomplished uh, throughout the ages. They never went anywhere, and uh, now we want to talk about. <laughs> well, they did. They went everywhere. They went everywhere. That's <laughs> just that's it. One it? of the things, that one one of the major accomplishments. Yeah. But uh, number three is that the Messianics are the people who carefully preserved the Hebrew Gospels through the millennia and the received text of the Bible. Now, a lot of people think, you know, remember that the historical narrative of the West mm -hmm. has been controlled by the apostate church, right? Goes by various names. So it was Greco-Roman, the fourth century. Uh, the Church of the East split in that century, split off and became a huge church in the West, and they're basically neo-Messianic, mm -hmm. you know, in their nature. And then the Greek church split off from the Roman church. So, you know, and they all carried this basic apostasy, except for the neo-Messianics, uh, except for the Nestorian church of the East. But uh, they carried this, this, this basic apostasy with them. But the, what you hear is that the original Bibles were a Eusebius Greek Bible that was done in the fourth century, and uh, and Jerome's Latin Vulgate, which was also done in the fourth century, about 380. The other one was like 320, all right? Well, these were not the first Bibles. The very first Bible was in 150 AD, and it was called the Itala Bible. Oh, we talked about that in our last uh, yeah. series. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. and okay. this was the first compilation of the Bible as, as we know it today. Old Testament, New Testament, all the letters all together. And frankly, this was written when... You know, some of the ink was not even dry yet on some of these wow. original manuscripts. So obviously these people, and they were probably, I mean, I don't know for sure, but they're very likely to have been uh, Messianics, Jewish Christians, mm -hmm. because they incorporated the Tanakh and the Hebrew Gospels into this. Hmm. All right, so you would have to know Hebrew to do that, and generally only Messianics did know Hebrew. Um, okay, but also Lucian. Now, Lucian's text came came a little bit later, about a century later, somewhere around 280, 290 maybe. All right, so okay. Lucian of Antioch, who also, although we do not have documentation of this, but he was uh, fluent in Hebrew. And like I said, I mean, the, the number of people who are fluent in Hebrew that are not Messianic is, that were not Hebrew Christians, is incredibly small. So the likelihood that he was a messianic is, is very high, hmm. right? We don't know for sure, but he did write the first compilation of the Bible in Greek and heavily based on the Italian, the only compilation that was out there, mm -hmm. right? right? And the Tanakh itself, because he, remember, he went to Hebrew sources because he was a Hebrew speaker. He took the Tanakh, he took the Hebrew Gospels, mm -hmm. all right? And he put them into what is called the Received Text of the Bible. It's still called that today. Mm, and it's okay. called by a lot of names, traditional texts, the authentic text, the authentic version, uh, the Antiochian text, uh, various names, but it's the received text of the Bible. Okay. And it survived, and it survived because the Messianics carefully preserved it. Hmm. In the Messianics in northern Italy, remember? Now, the, the, saying the sea, the Italic Sea? Yes. It, they, they had the Italic Bible. That was why they were called the Italic Sea, right? And they carefully preserved these. So the Waldensian Bibles later on became the seed of the Reformation and the received text, which was used all over the world, it took the Vulgate a thousand years to overtake it, right? And generally that was by military force. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, I was just gonna say, now by saying preserved, we don't mean to say that the original manuscripts from the, you know, the 100s has survived, they, they, they've been copied. Yeah, that was rhetorical exaggeration. Okay. <laughs> no, but, but, make sure but, people but the point yeah. is that the original, really, they they had original manuscripts of the Bible. Yeah, like you said, before the ink was even dry. Yeah. I mean, really, literally, yeah. they did. You know, so, and and any anyone who studies, you know, the, the development of the Bible, you've got to put more weight on those mm -hmm. manuscripts, the original manuscripts, and they had them when they did the Italic. Right. Probably done in Antioch, I think. Some people say Alexandria, but whether wherever yeah. it was done, it was surely done. There were surely Messianic scribes in the mix. Well, the fact they're the only ones who knew Hebrew well enough. Well, yeah, and the very fact that that 
was started before uh, Constantine and all the rest yeah, of it. I mean, yeah. that's extremely Long important. This is second century. This is 150. Wow. This is like barely a century from the time of the crucifixion. Hmm. All right, so you know, this is early, yeah. early, and nobody's even heard of this. But the 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 you know the the messianics they they preserved this, mm-hmm. and that was extremely extremely important. So. You know, and here's, in fact, they were up there, one of the centers of their, the, the very big on evangelism in the New Messianic Church. They sent evangelists everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And this is a marker of the Messianic Church and the, and the Neo Messianic Church is that they were, they were really big into evangelization, hmm. right? So, uh, and this is very strange because when I was, when I was first uh, translating the Hebrew Gospels from Catalonia and Spain, it had this. It had the prefaces in Hebrew, which were originally done by Jerome, and it, it mentions that Matthew had already been published in Lombardy, hmm. Lombardia. And I'm reading this, and it says Matthew was originally published in, in Jerusalem also, mm-hmm. but also in, 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 in Lombardy. And what? <laughs> what? What, what? What is this obscure reference to Lombardy in that northern Italy? You know, I, I, I really was puzzled by it until I got to studying the Messianics, the Waldensians, and realized the center, their school of martyrs, they had a school of martyrs where they trained evangelists to go out, and they were martyred wow. in large numbers. So you could expect that. So they went to that school, and they learned that, you know, if you believe that this is not our world, our world is a totally different dimension. We're outside of this box of existence. We're living with our creator and a universe of light and love. You know, this is not, this is just, we are not earthly creatures having a temporary spiritual experience. We are spiritual creatures having a temporary earthly experience. And to be martyred is nothing more hmm. than changing your jacket or a suit yeah. of clothes. If you truly understand yeah, eternity, we, that's... We all, we're all going to die. I mean, really, mm-hmm. frankly, we are. It's, we are all spiritual warriors dropped behind enemy lines, and none of us is getting out of here alive. So they, they came to just an acceptance of this. Of course, they're going to be martyred. They don't want to hear the truth. So they, people would come from all over. They'd go to the school of martyrs and then go spread out into the world carrying the gospel mm. to everyone, and even under the worst oppression. And so this, this is what they did, and this, this, a lot of this came from Lombardy, where they had a, a school of martyrs. It was now, a how early was that? Before the cameras came on, you told me how early that well, was, they, and even they, I was shocked. They, they uh, first moved up there in the 50s, and with, with under the persecution of Nero. So the 50s, we're talking about... 50 20 AD. years after Yeshua was crucified. Yeah, right. Yeah, obviously there was a big right. church, big church in Rome. There was, and uh, they left because of the persecution. They'd just been declared, you know, Nero was persecuting Christians, right? So they left, and they went up to the first bunch. Hmm. Later on, more, more left and more joined the them. The Wow. Yeah, under, that's early. Under Pope Leo, they were, they 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 left. Wow. Went up because they, you know, they weren't they weren't being accepted. They obviously a new thing was happening, mm-hmm. and they weren't part of it, right? The Greek church was already forming already in that in that period of time. Mm-hmm. So it was very early. They never were a part of the Roman church. Uh, they went up. And they 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 established a well. We'll see. But that's interesting that that, very that's, interesting. that the reference to them is in the preface to the Hebrew Gospels. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. All right. So the Lucian Greek Bible, we talked about that. The Itala Bible, we talked about that. Survival of the received text, the ancient Itala Bible. Number four <clears throat> is that the Neo-Messianic Church formed this seat of government in, in Northern Italy. And this is incredibly important. A lot of people do understand that the church had become the apostate church because of these things, because the original apostasy of rejecting the Messiah and his church. Yeah. And creating this new Messiah called Jesus Christ. Truly a religion that has nothing to do with Yeshua. I mean, really, that's the that shocking That is the part defining of characteristic of it. Is yeah. They're trying not to have anything to do with Yeshua, with, with the Hebraic concept, right? Right. 
that was the message of Yeshua the Messiah. So they created a sort of a quasi-Greek philosopher called Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not putting down Jesus Christ. Please don't say this to anybody. I am not putting down Jesus Christ because if Yeshua has chosen to answer that name was his salvation, and millions of people have been saved by calling out to that name. I have no problem with it. That's his decision, and that's, that's great. And, and so millions of people have been saved in these new churches, but they are new churches. They are not the original church. And I do not think for a second, even though you can be blessed with salvation because your heart is right, mm-hmm. I don't think for a second that means he doesn't want you to be closer to him and know his real name and who he is and what he really stood for and what his message really is. Remember, you have the Hebrew rabbi who upholds Torah in Scripture, and then you have the Greek Jesus who does away with it according to a differing interpretation of Scripture. I was going to say, I think... These are created perceptions, created archetypes, and they're dramatically different, and they hold you back from understanding the true nature of our Messiah That's and just his it. message. That's just it. And when you understand more, when you dive deeper into the Bible, it's, it's funny that I, I, when folks first come into understanding this as a Torah-observant believer, uh-huh. you begin to see that, wait a minute, Yeshua had all these Hebrew aspects to him. And I, I find it funny that when you come into a, uh, an understanding of that and you join a messianic congregation, as it were, you see, excuse me, you see people from uh, Baptist backgrounds, from Catholic backgrounds, from you know, Pentecostal backgrounds. Everybody has come away from these different uh, apostasy churches, but they're all coming to the same understanding mm-hmm. that the Spirit is drawing them back into the original, which is what we're, exactly we're talking about. Yeah, here. yeah, and remember, there is, you know, I've studied scripture on this. There is no requirement for people to change denominations to come to Yeshua. Right, lots right? of our and followers to here, they stay and to them. understand the Hebraic roots of your faith mm-hmm. and what, what his message really stood for. You're not required, if you're a Baptist, you're not required to become Jewish or to become Messianic even. You know, now I'm I'm not saying God might not call you to do something like that, but that's between you and him, right? No denominational change is required. Jews don't have to become Protestants. They don't have to become Catholics. Catholics don't, you know, it's that was settled in uh, uh, chapter 15 of Acts, called the Jerusalem Accord, mm-hmm. that all these new Gentiles coming into the church, do they have to be circumcised? Do they have to follow the law? And it decided on four things, you know, one of which they did not have to be circumcised. Mm-hmm. You know, they were accepted as complete believers, even if they didn't keep every aspect of the Torah that the, that the Messianics in Jerusalem were keeping. Um, so they did not have to follow rabbinic law, basically, because many Messianics were keeping rabbinic law. That's still an entrapment and, today. And that's a big difference yeah. between rabbinic law and, and what is scriptural law, the scriptural Absolutely. law. Absolutely. Big, big difference, and people often get confused with that. Uh, but, uh, the, you know, they, uh, they were not required to become Jewish. And so that, if they had obeyed that accord throughout history it would have been a harmonious whole. The church would have been very harmonious. But, you know, as soon as the Greek church took over, you know, they immediately contravened that accord and declared the, you know, the Hebrew Christians, declared them to be heretic, right? And after that, anything that smacked of Judaizing, it's called Judaizing, and it was, uh, there was a death penalty for Judaizing, like having a Hebrew gospel, or even a Hebrew Tanakh, having anything in Hebrew, subscribing to anything in Hebrew, even if it was absolutely unequivocally biblical, like keeping the Sabbath or keeping the feast days. So one was out to get the other. Yeah, oh really. yeah, and that, that's the lens you have to look at history through, that all of the things the apostate church did from that point on for centuries to come, 20 centuries to come, uh, up until the present day, the, the, it's still with us to some degree, not like it was in the Middle Ages or anything. All those things that they did to slaughter and torture and burn alive fellow congregants in the Inquisitions and the Crusades, which were wholesale slaughter, you know, all, all of those things were to destroy their competition. Hmm. That's what they were all about. The Greek church wanted to be supreme in the world. You know, Yeshua said we're, I mean, Paul said that, you know, we are all 
of the family of Abraham because we accept the Savior and the blood of the Savior. That makes us part of the family of Abraham. There is no Jew. There is no Greek, no slave, no free. And the same thing goes for men and women too, you know. We're all equal. Well, it's not good enough for the power structure in Rome. They wanted to be supreme. So Mm. they are constantly throughout the centuries trying to destroy the original church, the Messianic church of the Messiah. And that's where all, all of it can be explained. You know, the Crusades were all about it. Yes, they fought against the Muslims, but they also slaughtered people at home. One crusade was to destroy the Cathars in Southern Europe, neo-Messianics, mm. right? But they also went and they destroyed, sacked and slaughtered Greek Orthodox cities. Constantinople was sacked in the Fourth Crusades, mm. right? So it's all about destroying their competition. Once you understand that, it all makes sense, you know, and they would break any commandment in order to destroy a murder, right? And you didn't, it was okay to lie to heretics, hmm. you know, right? Is that in the Bible? It's okay to lie to somebody if you don't like them, hmm. right? Okay, so there, the, this is, makes perfect sense once you see what's going on here. It's about competition. You know, you see that almost uh, in today's world, there's a lot of freedoms being taken away for a power structure to take over. We won't get political about it, but you see this happening again. Yeah, you do. And, and it's, it's really important because uh, Alex de Tocqueville said about America in the, early, in the early colonial period, he says, America is great because she is good. When she ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. Mm. Okay, so and we've always been known for that staunch morality of the Puritans, which were neo-Messianic in their essence, the the pilgrims, um, which were Puritans. Um, uh, And and now anything goes for power. I mean, lie, cheat, steal elections. And and if if you're willing to do that, you know, you can destroy this one, this great nation by simple corruption. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're willing to do absolutely anything to achieve power, and apparently that is the state we're in. You know, ignore anything about elections, election security, voter fraud, the more the better, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, Ironically, I mean, you told, before the cameras came on, we were talking about how, uh, everybody understands I'm from Canada, so I don't know a lot about American history. We do learn some, and I'm learning as I go here, but I didn't realize that uh, there is some aspect of the Gospels, the Hebrew Gospels, in the Constitution, uh, in our founding documents. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about, and we're going to talk about this in more length, I hope. We will, of course, uh, we are talking everything in more length here. But I mean. Letters of Mark, which enabled, which allowed uh, privateers mm-hmm. to uh, fight against the enemies of the United States, that's authorized in the U.S. Constitution. Wow. It's memorialized. I mean, it, was, it created our first Navy. You told me right? exactly where that was. Article what? 1, Section 8, uh, uh, you know, I think subsection 11. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, but it's, it is enshrined <laughs> in the Constitution that we can uh, issue Letters of Mark. Wow. And this, this literally created the first American Navy, which was a Messianic Navy in large part. Now, I'm not claiming that Messianics were totally responsible for all these things, but they were prime movers. Mm. You know, so there were many, many Messianics, uh, Messianic uh, and converso ship owners, mm-hmm. you know, and Messianic captains and stuff that, that uh, participated as the first... American Navy, and I don't think we could have won the revolution without that. Wow, amazing. Well, we're going to continue on. We have lots more to talk about. So thank you for joining us for this episode. Thank you for joining us. We will see you next time on Shabbat Night Live. Until then, Shavua Tov, and uh, come back and see us next week, okay?